So today I went to the Urban Arts Festival in Salt Lake City, headed out to Utah to check that out. And I'd like to start off by really thanking the organizers, producers, and staff associated with this festival. What a great event. I really enjoyed myself. Uh, the car culture stuff out front was great, and the selection and variety of artists and work was really commendable. Um, while I was at the show, I walked up on a booth by Hearst's Handblown Glass, owned by Mike Hearst, and wow, what an eye-catcher. There were marbles, and there were pendants, and spinning tops, and eyeballs, and hearts with flames coming off of them, and seashells, and pop culture iconography. Every kind of decorative small glass item imaginable was on display, and it was all just super colorful and beautiful. Just within the marbles, there are anemones, flames, whirls, spirals, dots, pictures of rock bands, bubbles, irises, coral reefs, vortices, man, it just goes on and on. And I was really lucky enough to hit it off with Mike and to arrange an interview, um, and possibly even a lesson to be podcast live. So I can't wait to bring that to you guys. I hope you really enjoy it. And welcome back to An Art Enthusiast's Journey. I'm Jimmy Dale, and tonight I am at the Local Artisans Collective in Ogden, Utah, with Mike Hurst. I just took a glassblowing lesson from Mike. We made a pendant and a marble together. It was an exceptional time, and now I'm going to interview Mike about his experience as an artist and glassblower. Uh, Mike, good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Let's start off with a, a recollection of pain and a recollection of happiness. Um, are you able to say, because obviously working in glass, you've broken a lot of stuff over the years. Yeah. Are you able to say by any chance which piece hurt you the most when it broke? Mm. I, know, I know it might be difficult. I don't know. By, by my doing or somebody else's? <laughs> Let's say by yours. I don't even know. I well, used to get pretty frustrated doing cake tops and stuff. Yeah. Spend a lot of time on those and break. I just made a shark a couple of weeks ago that I spent a couple hours on. A full color shark, and I don't do a ton of big sculpture, and it uh, it cracked pretty good. Thought I had it hot enough, but I guess not. And was it right at the end, of course? No, it was in the kiln. It didn't. It didn't uh-huh. crack off the bat. I think. I don't think it had anything to do with me. It was more the the compatibility of the two colors I was using. I hadn't used one of the colors, a gray color very often, and I think it was kind of off a little bit. Well. It was still painful though. Still a learning experience, right? You go to the kiln and you want an Easter egg and you get scrambled eggs. Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> or cracked eggs anyway. I'm, I'm sure it's difficult to deal with, but I know that working with glass, you have to get accustomed to it. Yeah, for sure. you, never, you never know. Some of the stuff you can fix, but that one was pretty pretty good sized crack so sorry to hear it's gone man um do you know uh are you able to say by any chance which piece you sold or gave to someone that made the recipient the happiest well my wife voluntold me (laughs) that i was going to make a minion wedding couple cake top jeepers a, a bride and groom and it ended up being about four inches tall and six inches wide it was solid, pretty heavy. Uh, they were pretty happy about it. Um, 
I kind of hated to see it go, but you would have kept it, huh? Yeah, but they yeah. they really liked it and they still do. I got pictures. That's good enough. A couple of Despicable Me fans getting married. I guess that was <laughs> the first. I guess the first movie they went to. Um, I do custom decal photo pendants. Um, I do them with and without cremains, like memorial pendants. And of everything I've done over the years, those are not the simplest pendants. They're they're easier than a lot of stuff I make, but they're the ones that that uh, bring tears to people more than anything. It makes sense. So, That's reasonable. So those are those are satisfying. Um, sure. They're not always the challenge, most challenging, so it's not as satisfying and gratifying as some stuff I make that's a real challenge that turns out good, but they're fun. But it's an immediate emotional connection for oh, yeah. the client. People, yeah, yeah, people love them. Yeah, of course. Um, so what was your first cultural leaning with the small pieces? Was it gore? Was it pop? Was it sea life? I like, I've always liked the macabre and bizarre stuff. Yeah, I, no- I noticed um, you have a lot of phantasmagoria, yeah. I'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what I started making first. Sea Life sells really good. People love aquatic stuff. Okay. I like making the stuff, um, the turtles and octopus and mm-hmm. seahorses and stuff. They're fun to make and people love them, so I like those. I like the natural, like, I guess more marine life than, than any other type of animals or anything. Um, just depends on my mood. I like, I like eyeballs. I started making eyeballs before eyeballs were cool to make. Um, now everybody seems to make eyeballs, but I was the, making them 13, 13, 14 years ago. One of my questions for you tonight was, what's up with the eyeballs, man? Oh, I just, I was always drawn to pendants and stuff. I wanted huh. a cool eyeball. I always saw glass eyes and, um, have a few good stories of glass eyes, but uh, my brother has one. Oh, really? So um, maybe you can, yeah, I'll, I'll make him a cooler one yeah, at some point. <laughs> well, I, um, I don't know. I just always thought it'd be cool to have a glass eyeball necklace or something. So everything I saw was plastic or right. cheap Chinese-made stuff. Yeah, whatever. I wanted to make production. something cool, so I started making dots, stacked eyes, which is just a the base with a dot of color and then a dot for the people and stuff. And then after uh, lots of trial and error and a, a tutorial I saw, I finally figured out how to make the, the more realistic irises. But I, I, I don't know why I'm so fascinated with them. I know, and it was kind of funny, uh, I ran into her at Urban Arts Festival. I hadn't seen her for years, but there was a girl I grew up with at third grade. She came to church with uh, her eye was all swollen and, and stuff, um, said that she had an infection or disease or something she had to get it taken out so she had it removed a month or so two months later or something she comes back to school or comes to school she'd never been to school because they just moved in and uh, the teacher it was her first day too because my third grade teacher had heart problems uh, so new teacher starts halfway through the year same day as this girl comes halfway through the day the girl's uh, prosthetic eye pops out so oh no slides across the floor Oh. She picks it up, takes it to the teacher. Teacher, my eye fell out, and the teacher about collapsed. <laughs> Not knowing it was a glass eye? Oh, she had no idea gosh. it was both of their first days. So I, that, I think, I think about <laughs> that a lot when I make eyes. But I've, yeah. always, I've always liked Halloween and creepy things. And 
so it was kind of a natural. Okay. And I, I do like them. They are realistic. They're more realistic than I would have expected. Uh, if somebody told me you're going to see glass eyeballs at a festival today, I would have expected something different. And one of the things I really like is that you do the eyes by themselves, and you also do pieces on which you build eyelids yeah. and uh-huh. uh, I think the occasional brow, right? Yeah, brows and horns and yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're fun. There's a lot you can do with them. And uh, I found that there's really no middle ground. People either love them or they hate them. Huh. And I found I knew there was a story that went along with them, so I researched that a bit. Found the legend of the evil eye, so I got a business. I found a couple different versions, kind of put them into one, and then had business cards, sized cards printed up that I give out with those. So, so there is some meaning to them, but that wasn't the reason I did it. Hmm. So, well, I like them. People like a story, so yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Did you did you go to art school? Nope. Okay. I, that was the furthest thing from my mind <laughs> when when I started. Do it. it was kind of an accident. I didn't plan on being a glass blower or an artist. And in fact, for probably ten or twelve years, I didn't even think of this as art. I, it was just something I did. And then I started doing shows and stuff, and I thought, wait a minute, this actually is art. So that's how pieces come together, man. Yeah, is good for you. Yeah, it's. I've got a friend that's a a junk professor at Weber State that's a painter, <laughs> and he says he regularly tells his students how. You don't need a degree in art to, you know, do it, whatever. Because I have no yeah, that's very no true. formal training yeah. really, and I just I know lots of artists who out. have degrees in art and lots who don't. Yeah, you know, a few who have degrees in design. Yeah, you know, and a, a good number who never went to school. I just went to the school of hard knocks. That's a good school. Yeah, <laughs> that's a uh, all those credits are transferable. Yeah. <laughs> so you started in neon, right? Mm, that's where my I was leaning, that's where I wanted to learn first okay. of what I wanted to do, my interest, I guess. My mom suggested I try that, and uh, I couldn't get a job doing that originally. Um, either they weren't hiring or I didn't have experience or whatever. So I put it on the back burner, and in the process, a couple months later, met a guy named Keith Nielsen from Roy, Utah, that agreed to teach me. Uh, he didn't do neon, but he did what was called lamp working, which is glass blowing using a propane oxygen fueled torch. Um, so he agreed to do, teach me that. I started in January of '94. Took lessons from him for a couple months, and then he quit about six months after I started. Um, which was right about the same time I went back out looking for a job doing neon again, and got a job as a neon pump man that finished the signs, filled them with gas and all that. So okay. I started this six months before. Um, I only did that for about 15 months, a year and a half, something I didn't really didn't really like the whole pattern thing and designing and all that. I liked doing my own thing. So, so. Did, did your interest in working with neon grow out of an already existing interest in glass? I, I guess what I'm asking is, has it always been all about the glass for you? Was it predestined? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to necessarily do glass or anything. Um, uh, I originally wanted to be a Ringling Brothers circus clown. And uh, met a guy that did it for about 23 years and said, 
don't do it. It's a hard life. Go, go blow glass, son. Well, no, he said do it around town. If you're going to do it, you'll make money. You can have a house. You can have a family. They nickel and dime you. You're, you tour the world, tour the country. That's a lot of fun doing that. But you're not, never going to make any money. So, yeah. you know, do it around town, whatever. So that kind of shot my my I, plan. I can see where that would be pretty and, yeah, shocking and disappointing. So my mom, I was 18. I was working as an inbound telemarketer. Uh, it was horrifying. I always swore I'd never work there, but I needed to. Cause We've I all needed, been there. I needed a job. And uh, my mom just said, what do you want to do with your life? I don't know. She said, well, what about neon signs? I had no idea why she asked me <laughs> why neon signs. Because Seems I, random. Yeah, it was, yeah, I would have never thought that. But uh, she said she saw some sisters on a show that didn't know what they want to do with their life. Their dad said, learn how to do neon signs. You'll be millionaires. They did. They became millionaires. So I was huh. 18 and uh, ready to conquer the world. So I was ready to make millions, which never would have happened. But <laughs> I'm glad I did it. Well, those signs so, are really expensive. I've seen yeah, used ones oh, yeah, go for several thousand dollars. Yeah, they're so. expensive. And, and it, with LED taken over, it's a dying, True. more of a dying art just because it's... Uh, they just don't have them True. As much anymore. I tried to acquire some neon signage a few years ago, and that's when I found that out. Everything was LED. Yeah, and I know that um, not at the place I work, but at one of the other locations in Salt Lake, I think they had seven or eight glass blowers when they were, you know, full, you know, full force doing it. Now they have one. So yeah. it's, I don't know that's... where I would be if I would have kept doing that. So, um, yeah, in all likelihood, doing something else. Probably, I'm, I'm yeah, sure you're right. So. It was fun, but it just wasn't really for me. I'm glad I tried other things. And... I'm glad you did too. Yeah. Here, <laughs> I'm glad I met are. you doing this and yeah. not at a sign yeah. shop. Yeah, here we are. So. so what we just did with the pendant and the marble would be an example of lamp work, yep. right? So, and you were also kind enough to blow this swan for me. Do you do it all, blowing, slumping, fusing, lamp work, all of it? I've done... I've done lamp work, neon, fusing, and etching, and I like lamp work the best. Okay. So, it's a t lamp work is a type of glass blowing, uh, so you can do the hollow stuff or solid stuff. I usually make solid stuff. Um, I haven't really done a ton of hollow stuff until the last, I don't know, five five years or so, maybe okay. a little bit longer. But uh, so there's guys like me that do a lot of solid stuff and then there's pipe makers which is another big uh area of of lamp working and they do all hollow stuff for the most part yeah i noticed um at the last few festivals i've attended there have been several tables devoted to that yeah i was kind of surprised a friend of mine uh her husband told me they were selling pipes down at urban arts festival and i was very surprised that they let them do it because that's pretty conservative here. And I think there were three tables I saw at that oh, really? festival alone. I didn't see. I didn't get. Yeah. I didn't get around too much, but I was surprised they sell. I get requests all the time, but that's one thing I don't make. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting cultural shift oh, in, sure, yeah. in, in the artwork to yeah, me. I, I never ever ever saw that before a few years ago, and now they're out there. They're well, and I never I never even thought about making pipes. The guy that taught me, he made LDS cake, uh, like temple cake tops and cake tops and, yeah. and that kind of thing he never you know not, no pipes or anything I never was furthest from my mind ever I just yeah. never, I was, never got into that stuff I, I, I don't 
know why you would have. I can see it being, you know, pretty far from your mind in any case. But I think the people who are doing it specialize in it. Probably oh, there's, don't and there's do some other talent. things. And I agree. There's I agree. Guys that make I saw some good blowing going tens on. Tens of thousands of dollars of in single pipe. Some of the stuff. It's there's some talent out there. So yeah, it's it's, it's kind of I look at that like uh, it's for me it's a little bit like tattoo work and people's perceptions of tattoo work. Yeah. You know, I grew up not really respecting tattoo. And once I realized what was really up with it, I immediately considered it to be totally legitimate artwork. You know, oh, it, it, it certainly is. It's incredible. Not so, always. Not always. But, but it is but certainly the case that you can find very legitimate, high-quality artwork in the tattoo sure. world. And with, you know, pipe blowers as well. Yeah. And I'm the same thing. with my, I'm not into tattoos. I, I don't have any personally. But uh, some of the artwork. I, I enjoy looking at tattoo magazines just to see some of the stuff people sure. pull off. The sure. 3D images and portrait work and the stuff. The 3D it's, tattooing that's going on is yeah, astonishing. It's, it ama it's amazing. And yeah. it's just, some of it looks too realistic. Like I think it's yeah. going to freak people out on the street. Mm -hmm. right? Oh yeah, and it's it's crazy. I've seen spiders and <clears throat> different that really look like they're sitting on their arms. So. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to make? Depends on the day. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes it's octopus. Sometimes it's... Uh, Right now, I'm making a lot of Christmas ornaments, getting ready for Christmas I and bet. shows for that. Yeah, and I like making them, so it's All cool. Right. But uh, yeah, it just depends on the day and what I'm what I'm low on. So uh, fair enough. Sometimes it just yeah, I don't know. It's not really a. If you're working glass, you're happy. Yeah, it's just just whatever my mood is. I don't know. All right. So you're obviously part of a cooperative community here. Yeah. Um, at the studio, do you consider the community on the road at shows and festivals to be more cooperative or competitive? I don't know. It just depends. I see a lot of people that tend to want to make it feel like it's or it's uh, cooperative, but it, I, there's competition out there. Yeah. Um, and I see it on Facebook and social media and stuff. Not really bashing or anything like that, but there's definitely one up that kind, yeah that kind yeah. of thing out there and for the most part everybody's cool and um, everybody just does their own thing but there's some people that have been successful with certain types of pieces mm -hmm. and other people just uh, totally rip them off just because they feel like that definitely it happens. should be a market for everybody and they want some of the action even yeah. though their their stuff isn't uh, up to par with the original that uh, they just yeah I think it goes I, I see it every festival everything. it's yeah it's, yeah something catches on and uh if it catches on with the fans, it's going to catch on with the artists, right? Um, I, I think a reasonable example of that, and, uh, and I'm certainly not saying you've done this. I see you make these pieces, and they don't remind me of his at all. But when Rick Satava started making those jellyfish paperweights, oh. and they caught on, within about five years, I was seeing obvious knockoffs everywhere. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I you make know? jellyfish, but I... Um... I like the ones oh, you make. They're, they're cool. They're just not, they're not as fantastic as some of the ones I've seen. There's some yeah. out there that are incredible. Well, you're not attempting to copy no. anybody. No, either. I just do, you my, know. do my thing. So. Uh, I think a lot of the fantastic looking ones I see out there, not all of them. It's, it's definitely not uniform, but I think a lot of them are attempts to copy Rick. Probably. You yeah. know, it, it, it happens. Well, there's only so many, I think there's only so many styles and people, I don't know, they're going to always knock stuff off. I, I teach and I've had magazine articles and stuff and I'm good with people trying this stuff but I also like them to put their own spin on things sure so not just to do it even if they're doing it similar but their own way so they're yeah. doing something different and and just for the listeners I can emphasize how much Mike really means that and just the two little pieces I made tonight 
he would get me so far and then just kind of turn me loose and let me go. And I've never, you know, blown glass before at all, except for maybe five minutes in junior high. And uh, he was, you know, very encouraging about that, about taking it my own way and just kind of paying attention to what the class was doing. So he, he definitely does mean that. Uh, Mike, I've noticed that, uh, I want to touch on this real quick. I've been dying to ask you this, um, but you may have already clarified. I noticed that a lot of your pieces incorporate elements which seem to glow. Uh, some of the anemone pieces I've looked at in particular. Is that a little nod back or appreciation that you brought with you from the neon thing? Or do you just enjoy doing that? No, I, um, I've seen some people incorporate neon in with the stuff, but it's a whole different different process but no it's just that's uh, called fume and it's silver gold copper different heavy metals the, the glow in your metals. pieces yeah okay. and uh, it's just the way that you uh, vaporize the metals under the glass and okay and they go in it's uh, kind of a translucent haze iridescence kind of yeah kind of thing. a milky glow yeah <laughs> I, say, yeah. I know it's yeah, difficult it's an to describe yeah it's, it's an iridescence that you can get blues and yellows and okay. all different colors. Rainbows. So it's all about the metallic elements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. And I guess then that answers this question. You've never blown or made anything and then put neon inside it. No. Okay. I know there's been some people that have, have tried doing it and this and that, but it's... Um, I'm only aware of, and of course I don't you know, know everybody who's tried it by any means, but I'm aware of one artist who's actually making a good living at it right now, doing clear glass with neon in it. Oh. Uh, I can't remember his or her name, but I do know that one person is doing pretty well at least. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like They're sculptures? Or fairly what? large installations. What I saw was pretty random looking. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just uh, had neon running through it. And uh, I did, I'd have to bring you yeah, I guess it's possible. The, the, the materials yeah, I have I'm sure featuring this artist. You put the electrodes on there and it's just, it's almost like bottling up lightning because that's basically what that's it is. kind of shooting, what it looks like yeah. shooting through there so i mean if i guess it, it yeah that's cool you just described it really well yeah. mike <laughs> it does kind yeah. of look like bottled so, lightning so. you oh kiln going off there's that cooking glass people mike you had so many pieces at the urban arts festival how many man hours does your usual show inventory represent? Huh. Or oh, can, can it even be counted? I don't know. Most things take um, 20 minutes to an hour to make, maybe a little longer. So, man, I don't know. I usually have... So, thousands of man hours probably. in the inventory yeah, for each show? Probably. Based it's, on what I've seen? Yeah. Wow. If I had to redo it, probably, yeah, because it's... Now, that's an interesting probably, way to, to judge it, isn't it? Yeah. If you had to redo it, how long would it take, yeah, right? Yeah, a, a while. So, <laughs> yeah, there's probably, I probably usually have two, 200, 300 pendants and all the other stuff. Wow, so you're making all the time then? Yeah. Okay. I try to get, if I'm out in the shop for any amount of time, really, for like an afternoon or something, I try to get eight or ten things done every day. All right. That seems reasonable to me. Yeah, I just get out there and most, make what I make. And most people try to do one thing a day, if that. So, yeah, so. in life, mine's smaller, so it's, and it all depends on what I'm making too. Sure, so I, I doubt you go out and make yeah. one marble per day, uh, for example. Well, no, no, actually, there are probably times you do. I, right? Sometimes I make more than one, so some of those take a couple hours. Piece, yeah, so I, I'm thinking about them now, and that's. The, yeah, yeah, it just depends on what the technique is. Some of them don't take as long. 
What, um, what artists influenced you early on, if any, and does anyone influence you now? Not really. When I started, I just was the guy that showed me what to do. I mean, he, I was going off what he taught me, and then okay. there was really no uh, nothing out there. Homer Hoyt, who wrote a book on uh, glass blowing years and years back, like probably 60s, early 70s, I had his book from the beginning and would look at the stuff he made. But other than that, I didn't really know of anybody. Okay. Um, now there's magazines and videos, and with the internet, it's a much smaller, I mean, it's a small community anyway, but it's much smaller even now because you, you can know everybody. Right. But then it was, it was me. So, so then it was, it, it, there really wasn't. Now, um, just, there's a lot of people that are doing some pretty awesome stuff. John Kabuki. John Bridges, oh, uh, the Mazay brothers, um, Brent Graber, a lot of those guys. Sounds like you need to get these people together and have a show, man. <laughs> they <laughs> a little do. Bit. They do. Um, they have a couple a year that these guys get together and and do it. There's marble, marble shows, and huh? a couple different uh, flame offs. That's uh, what they're called. They're glass competitions down in Vegas and throughout the country. They just had one down in Salt when do, Lake. When do those occur in Las Vegas? I'd like to check that um, out. Is throughout it? the year, there's two or three that happen. And they, we just had one in Salt Lake August 5th called the, oh, honey, wow. the honey Pot. I, and they had, yeah, it's just, it was a little, just a small thing, live music. And yeah. probably about 15 or 20 tables of local glass blower stuff. They had demos and that sounds a company awesome. Of, yeah, a company out of Vegas or of, uh, out of Arizona called Blast Shield <clears throat> that makes graphite tools and, and different tools for for the trade. Huh. Uh, it was cool. It's uh, I first, bet. Yeah, first weekend of August every year, and it's down. Uh, it's called the Art Garden okay. near, near the complex, just just west of the of the gateway. I, I must catch a flame off. Yeah, it's, uh, at least one in my life. Oh, I have to see yeah, this. It's, it's fun. And they I, didn't I, have competitions at this one. We we had competitions of things that were already made, but some of the bigger ones they have the tables, and these guys have so much time to produce what they're making, and it's it sounds awesome. It's to me. the awesome competition, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of stress. I, I bet. <laughs> I love that they uh, that they make it like a small festival too. Yeah, that they oh have yeah, live music and mm-hmm. yeah. This was all, all day. It was it was really it cool. sounds great. Yeah. I have to tell you, but right now. You are, at least in my mind, um, the undisputed king of smalls. Certainly glass smalls. Uh, do you make bigger pieces? Do you make large oh, thanks. First off. pieces? Oh, you're welcome. But, uh, I, I'm not kidding. It's, <laughs> people, when you see Mike's inventory, you're not going to believe oh, it. thanks. I'll be posting pictures on Instagram. Oh, so. Thanks. I, I see some people that make one or two styles of things, and they're very good at it, but there's not just one or two kinds of people. So Right. And I get bored making the same thing all the time. So, um, no, I usually make, I mean, I make Christmas ornaments are a little bit bigger, but they're hollow. Um, mainly pendants and marbles. Okay. Marbles around two inches and under. I don't make anything huge. Um, pendants about the same size or smaller. I just like, I like smaller stuff. Um, I look at bigger pieces, and I do shows and stuff. Sometimes people don't see what I do. They may pass me by because they don't, they don't see the detail or whatever. But, and even when I look at it as a whole, I just kind of think, eh, okay, what, 
but then when I pick individual pieces up and every piece has its own characters and stuff and it blows me away that I I made this stuff because there's so many different different things and when you really look at them and see the detail inside I have people that ask me if I do furnace work and that and I've never have but I've had furnace workers that have seen stuff that I've made and and they were amazed, kind of like how I'm amazed with what they do. So super it's cool. Two way street, cool. I guess. So, so I, I like it. The big stuff's cool, but I think the small stuff you can have just as much or more detail in it. And it's just the way it's so compact and um, in such a small package is. Yeah. I like it. I I, I love so. it. And people stop passing by Mike's booth at festivals. Stop and look at the smalls. <laughs> stop passing by people who have smalls. You have to check it out. It'll change your life. Uh, let's talk for a moment about the marbles specifically. I really, really like the ones you make. I've seen a few different marble makers out there, okay? And I really like yours. Oh, thank you. How did you get into that actual process, the marble making? And how did it get to the point that it is now where you do these amazing, you know, and uh, with, with respect, folks, some of them are pretty expensive. Marbles with all these great scenes built into them and wildlife built into them. What was that journey like from the beginning to where you are now? Long. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I, I just started making, like, basic swirl marbles, and, and they weren't great at that. Um, plenty of, of uh, flat spots, lumps, bumps, and yep. everything else. Um, like the pottery I try to make. Yeah, it, took, <laughs> it took me a couple of years probably just to figure out how to get them around. Uh, they, were, they would pass as a round marble. Um, Wow, but just uh, just different techniques. I like to try in them and, and see see what works and what doesn't work. And I still have a few few things I want to try that I'm not sure if will work or not. But you're still experimenting. Yeah, awesome. Always. Sometimes I'm I'm uh, pretty disappointed, and other times I'm very pleasantly surprised. So well, it's nice to surprise yourself, yeah, right? You just <laughs> you never know. I had one that I made a couple months ago, and it ended up exactly how I wanted it to. To be, and I was kind of surprised because I figured I would have hit a speed bump or two with that, but it, and it had to out. feel really good. Yeah, it was. I haven't gotten that feeling from anything I'm making yet, so just keep I'll, at I'll, it. I'll let you know when keep it happens. Up. It's it's a it's not a rarity, but it is. <laughs> I hear you. So I hear you for, it's it, good, for so. it to turn out exactly Lots, like yeah, you planned. There's, there's a lot of ups and downs in the in the art world. I think it's I read stuff that other people go through, and I'm like, wow, that's me because it's the same. Yeah. Same process, I guess. I'm trying to imagine right now what it would have been like if you had said to me, here are these glass rods, Jim. Picture exactly how you want this marble to come out and then make it happen, right? I, I can see where it took you a couple of years of constant practice just yeah, to be able to produce a satisfactory marble, yeah, right? Was, Without somebody there to help sure, you. Sure, yeah, I was on my own. Um, totally. Did you collect marbles when you were a kid? No. My grandpa was a marble champion. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I think he took first place in his elementary in Logan. Have you uh, ever had the chance to make him any? I did. He's been dead for seven or eight years. But, yeah, I made him and my other grandpa a set oh. on a wooden base of marbles. And they were my, some of my first ones that weren't real pretty. But they but that still them. had to be super and, satisfying. Yeah, and right? I, I actually ended up with one of my grandpa's sets after he died. Oh, my gosh. So I'm not even sure where it's at, but I need to, I'm, I've got it someplace. What a cool thing so, to have. Yeah, it's cool. So And they're, they're kind of ugly, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. It's sentimental. 
It's good for you, man. That's that's a very cool thing to have, and it had to feel really great to do that for them. Well, and I'm glad to get them back, too, just so I can... I mean, I have some of my older work, but it's kind of nice to see how far you've come. And I look at old pictures and stuff, and it's kind of scary sometimes. To have that pause go by, right, between seeing those particulars, that particular set, right? That had to be amazing. I was kind of fascinated. Over 20 years ago. I, I couldn't believe how hot your marbles get in the sun or how hot marbles get in the sun that really took me by surprise and do i remember correctly that you told me that under the right conditions they will actually melt the plastic or acrylic bases the stands that they're on they'll deform them wow um they also when i i spray painted the inside of the the bottom of that case just to make them black Uh the spray paint will actually adhere to them like glue and i have to pop them off Oh, wow. I've had to clean spray paint off of them with, uh, like, acetone. Wow. Because it's, yeah, it, it adhered to it. Um, but, yeah, the acrylic bases will warp. Um, you got to be careful with, I don't make any, like, solid clear ones, but they call right. them fire starters because they're basically a, like a, a, a lens. Like yeah. I had no idea they'd get that hot in the sun, but they'd get a couple hundred degrees. Yeah. Easy. I wouldn't have been too surprised, for example, to have felt, you know, that the underside, that the bottom of your case was hot from light focusing through the marbles, but the fact that the marbles retained the heat the way they did oh, yeah, was, was glasses a, again kind of amazing. Yeah. And I, I used to, same but a little bit different uh, subject, but I noticed in some foam cases that I had years back that there was brown straight lines like burned in the foam, and I couldn't figure out what it was, and they were some solid ornaments that I'd had. And it was the magnifying quality. As the sun passed, it would burn a straight line in the foam, melted in the foam. So that was actually a situation that was potentially dangerous. Yeah, and I had that, no that idea. That foam could actually yeah. have burst into yeah, flame in I your booth. I had no idea. Wow. That it was, yeah, so. is, that, is that how you initially found out from that foam? That it, that that it could it actually be that, that dangerous? Yeah, I didn't wow. think that it was that, that it'd do that. Since that time, I've heard of people saying, you know, be careful when you're making clear marbles because there's people that'll make clear marbles and hey check this out it's really cool and they are neat but they said be careful you set it out because it's a it's a magnifying glass and it'll yeah. it can start fires it, ma- it makes me wonder if anyone's ever picked up a clear marble and held it up to look at the sun through it and <laughs> blinded himself you know or herself yeah. but yeah it's it, it is impressive the way they yeah. focus light and heat yeah. it was quite a surprise what do uh i've always wanted to ask a an individual non-team glassblower this question what's your take on the venetian method what do you think of that studio method of doing glass with a master blower and a lot of apprentices doing a lot of the uh heavy work that's how they like all the furnace work does they that's and that's one thing i like about lamp working is it's a one-man band uh-huh. i do it all so yeah. i'm the shipping guy the purchasing agent <laughs> truly everything, all everything in between those guys they just they have to have the stuff's so big they have to have okay. more than one person do it because they one has to catch it when they hit it off the off the punny off the yeah the blow tube and and that and get it into the kiln and keeping it hot because one person can't do it all so there's really no okay. way to get around that with that big stuff i don't think especially with the the way that soft glass that they use is is so much more uh uh, prone to, to cracking right. from shock. So, right. so yeah, there, I don't think there's really any, any way around it. Interesting. That's really intriguing to me. I never considered 
that it was about the size of the pieces, yeah. right? Um, I've been struck by the weight of the pieces. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's occurred to me, okay, maybe you need a little help with that, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, of course, I've seen video of people working in Chihuly's studio, mm -hmm. and somebody's got a 50-pound piece, yeah. <laughs> you know, on the end of a pipe. Yep. I, I never really thought about it being, you know, I'm somewhat familiar with the Venetian method, but as far as it being related to the size of the pieces sure. and the necessity to have multiple hands, mm -hmm. multiple people working on it, that's uh, that's enlightening. Yeah, it's and not, thank you for that. Yeah, it's not uncommon from what I've seen is to even have a couple people with just hand torches keeping the piece hot. I've seen just that. so they Wait, can keep yeah. it hot. Yeah, so yeah, um, and again, never really thought about they're such big pieces. This is necessary, yeah. you know. But man, that's if anybody wants to see an example of teamwork outside the office or off an athletic field, go to a studio glass house. I would yeah, say that's, those guys have a coordinated dance it's down in, yep, it's every in, time, right? Impressive for sure. So um, in closing, one final question. Who buys the most of your stuff? Glass collectors, general art collectors, or pop art collectors? Probably Joe Q Public. Yeah? They, uh, just people that visit my booth. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have people, glass collectors and, you know, other enthusiasts that that buy the stuff but it's usually just people visiting my booth and maybe didn't even necessarily no, come in expecting they, no to buy they anything. didn't they just they found found something they couldn't live without i guess and, and that's what it feels like and i do i mean there are i think without every artist there's people that follow them or go to different sure. shows there's some people that i see at virtually every show i do huh. um and they buy you know buy stuff here and there but that's what i've had a few people that were collectors that that bought quite a bit here and there but it's usually just just somebody popping in the booth to see what it is and All right. finding something they fall in love with. Yeah, uh, there were a couple of girls in your booth when I was there who uh, didn't seem particularly interested in purchasing anything and were looking around kind of, uh, you know, uh, not appearing to really enjoy themselves. And I saw, I saw their experience when their eyes went into your cases, right? And they just lit right up. That was just like I did. Mm -hmm. Well, I have, it's not uncommon to have people in that can't decide, and they'll look at every piece in my booth. <laughs> that would take forever. Yeah, it takes. I had, some, <laughs> I had some kids at a show one time. They were high school kids, and I thought they were going to rip me off, just the way oh, they yeah. were acting. And they looked, they looked at every piece. They bought some stuff there, and they came to my house later and bought more. See, and they were just that's amazing. Checking, that is so cool. Out, so. That, and that tells you they were looking at every piece yeah. because every piece was that appealing. Yeah, they to were them. really, they you were know? really that thrilled with them. So yeah. it's those kids might be making marbles now. Yeah, you never know. You know? So it's you never know who's in your booth. You never know who's in your booth. Yeah. I think those are very appropriate closing words. Mike so. Hurst, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the lessons. Yeah, sure. This has been awesome. Thanks Listeners, of oh, you're very welcome, man. It's it, it, it's great to have access to this place. I have to say. Everybody listening, I will uh, post a few more details about Mike and the studio in an afterword. And again, I will have pictures of Mike's work on Instagram soon. Thank you very much for listening. And that was Mike Hurst of Hurst's Handblown Glass. I want to enter a correction here. I believe at the end of the interview, I stated that we were meeting at the local artisans collective. That is the Local Artisan Collective. My mistake. I apologize for that. I hope you enjoyed the interview and the experience. Mike and I had a very good time. I did take one of his workshops. I made a marble and a pendant. 
I will be posting pictures of Mike's work along with a picture of my um, <laughs> work on Instagram. The Instagram ID is an art enthusiast's journey. Thanks again.